0: listening to the Citizens Podcast from Citizens Church in Birmingham, Alabama. 2020, right? I feel like a comedian, and it's like, 2020! Am I right? <laughs> right? Um, but it's impacted us in all these different ways, right? And so for me, before, um, you know, twenty, the whole 2020 debacle situation, I, I was in the gym like four to five times a week. I, I was in there. I was getting it. I had, like, like a few muscles, you know? And then once once everything shut down, I stopped working out and I literally had not worked out for like two years, all right? And then coming up, I'm like, hey, you know what, Christina, um, I gotta, I gotta like get my life together. I gotta go back into the gym. And so I searched the internet, like finding a great gym situation. I found one and, um, and, and they had this program, like these hit classes. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's, it's high intensity interval training. And I'm like, Hey, you know what? That's it. They're going to just tell me what to do. I just have to show up at like five 30 in the morning and then it, it's, it's going to be good. I'm going to get into shape. I'm going to do this several times a week. I'm in there. Right. And so like day one, I get there. And um, and they're like, hey, you know, you're not used to what's going on. We're gonna assign you to to this partner, um, and I'm just gonna call him Fred. Is there any Freds here? good. I'm just going to call him Fred, right? And so he assigned me to Fred. Fred didn't really like acknowledge me the whole time. And I'm like, you're supposed to be helping me. Um, but we kind of went through everything in-, in pairs. And I kid you not, this may have been the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. I don't know if you ever had a workout that was so difficult that all of your brokenness like just seeps out of you, right? <laughs> like, like, like I started to feel shame. Like these people are, are watching me. Guilt, man, I should have been working out this whole time. Fear, I'm never doing this again. And by the end of the workout, they're doing, like, these sled runs. And in between the runs, I just sprawl out in the floor, like, just literally laying on the floor. And there are women walking past me laughing. (laughs) And then they go to, like, the cool down. And I'm so spent at this point. I, like, just, I can't even cool down. I just, like, just drag myself to to the locker room. And when I get to the locker room, I, like, open my locker. And I'm like, why am I so tired? And I just lay out on the bench. For I don't know how long, like maybe 30 minutes. And Fred walks in, in by me, and I'm just like, dude, you don't even, you, you, just gotta act like you don't see me here. Right? And I start thinking, man, like, man, is, is this worth it? Fred don't even look that good. Like, he's not even in that good a shape. Is the reward worth the humiliation? Is it worth the persecution of the 55-year-old empty nesters who are laughing at me? Is it worth my perseverance? Is it worth the beating that I was taking on my body? Looking like Fred wasn't worth suffering for. It's hard to find a reward worth suffering for. And yet Paul is telling us, that suffering is necessary to receive our reward. Dealing with this broken world, dealing with these broken bodies, these bodies that are still conditioned to sin, we must suffer through this time here. And he seeks to paint a picture of who we can be if we just suffer with Jesus. And you can judge for yourself whether this is motivating for you or not. But he starts off here. I'm gonna read from verse 16 in chapter eight. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. If we suffer in order that we are glorified. To be glorified, that's our eschatological inheritance. That's everything we are working towards. Everything this is leading up to, we must suffer. And we're not talking about self-made suffering, right? Where We're suffering because of something stupid that we did or we're just gonna make our lives difficult so that we can make it to the end. We suffer by virtue of being enlightened spirit-empowered persons in a broken world. We will suffer, but we must persevere. The question for us, is the reward worth suffering for? And I'll show you, yes, it is. And I'll answer that three different ways from these verses. And the second question for us is like, man, well then how do we make it through our proverbial hit classes without being passed out on the locker room bench. I don't know where you are this morning, but I do know that we are all faced with hardships that go along with following Jesus. And my goal today is for you to find encouragement to keep going when things are difficult. So is it worth it? Oh, I'm feeling a little call and response. Let's do that. So look, so I'm gonna say, is it worth it? I just want you to say yes. Okay, that, that's it. This is not the only time I'm going to ask, all right? So we'll do this right. Is it worth it? Yes. And it's not even close. Verse 18, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And when Paul says these sufferings of this present time, we know that this present time is an illusion to this present evil age. And we can look out into the world, and we can not only see, but we can feel, we can feel its brokenness. And when the effects of the fall impact us, we, we experience that as suffering. One way in particular this happens is, is within our own selves. Like temptation never rests. Don't you just get tired of being tempted? Like Jason, this again, man, why are you like this? And sanctification seems like whack-a-mole or like some weird game of Twister where you're like, okay, I I got this over here, right hand red, and oh, 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 left foot green. And it's like, oh, I can't move from here. There's something else popping up. How am I going to get to that? Why does it feel like my sanctification is at a standstill? The good I want to do, I can't do. But this this evil that I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. And I find that, man, when I want to do good, like my my desire is to do good, man, evil is right there with me. Do you ever get tired of fighting? Like, I'm, I'm tired. I'm going to struggle with this for the rest of my life. I'm tired of this. And your desire for sin becomes a nuisance. And at times we feel so weighed down by battling current sin that we just feel like we might not make it. Like, man, I I can do this now, but I can't hold this position forever. We're winning now, but it feels like we're going to lose later. Are we really supposed to keep giving out of our poverty to people that don't deserve it? Are we supposed to keep forgiving those who hurt us? Are we supposed to keep denying ourselves of the desires that the whole world gets to enjoy? Man, this Christian life is hard. Is it worth it? Yes, I'm taking Jesus every time. And it's not even worth comparing, right? So Paul's like, man, it, 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 you don't even have to like put these two aside. It's not even worth comparing. Is it worth it or not? Right? Are you taking a Hulk Hogan or are you taking the Hulk, right? Like you could have infinite wishes or you could have some like falsely described item from, from wish.com that won't arrive for another seven weeks. Paul doesn't say that suffering is worth it. He says it's not even worthy to be compared. This is not LeBron James versus Michael Jordan. This is Jordan versus Jesus. And they aren't even playing basketball. It's a competition to see who can, who can make wine the fastest. And I'm taking Jesus every time. And at the same time, he isn't minimizing suffering. Right? He's saying, hey, hey, this glory is so much better. But he's not saying that what you're going through is small. He's saying that glory is just that great. He's acknowledging its magnitude. The Christian life brings challenges. And Jesus tells us to count the cost. Yeah, this is going to be so difficult. No, no servant is greater than his master. Hey, don't don't touch the plow and then look back because if you do, man, you aren't fit for the kingdom of God. Yes, this life is incredibly hard, but don't give up and don't give in. Keep pushing. The end is so good that it won't even matter what you're going through right now. Close your eyes for a moment. I want you to consider um, what, what you may be going through. How is suffering presenting itself to you in your life right now? What are you struggling with? And with your eyes still closed, I just wanna read to you the reality of what's to come from Revelation 21. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. He will dwell with you. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, because the former things, the sufferings of this present evil age, they will pass away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Write this down because these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it's done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this inheritance. And I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, those not willing to suffer with Christ, The faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. You can open your eyes. It's not even close. Is it worth it? Oh, 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 y'all believe that? Because it don't sound like it. Is it worth it? Yes. Just ask creation. Next, Paul personifies creation as creation gives an account of what we've all really experienced. We see in, in, in verse 19, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. All creation shares this experience. Everything was corrupted by the fall. Subjected to futility means, man, things don't quite work right. Creation doesn't quite uh, uh, fulfill its intended purpose. So we have droughts and famines and earthquakes and hurricanes, and wildfires, and tornadoes, and tsunamis, and $5 gas in winter. But creation knows something that just keeps it going. The word that that translates eager, longing can be described as someone like on their tiptoes, like like so excited for what's to come that they're on their tiptoes waiting to see what's ahead. They know what it's like to power through winter knowing that, hey, spring is coming to weather storm after storm because one day, behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him and those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. Creation is groaning with the pangs of childbirth. Can you picture them on their tiptoes, but still feeling contractions, right? It's like this weird picture of like, I am so excited of what's to come, but I am feeling this pain right now. This debilitating pain that should have me laying down in a bed, but still, I'm still on my tiptoes looking forward to what's to come. We have something to learn from creation. And the reason they're waiting is the reason why we should be on our tiptoes too. Creation is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation is waiting, waiting to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Yes, creating is, is waiting on Jesus, but the way Paul puts it, creation is waiting on you. Creation is convinced that your day will come, that everything will change in the end. It's like, man, I cannot wait. Creation's like, man, I cannot wait till you get glorified because things are going to change for me too. When Christ does come back, your transformation and deliverance and glory coincides with the redemption of the whole earth. And you think about what what is God doing at that time, where He's making everything awesome, better than it was in the garden. Where He's turning the, these these aisles right here into pure gold, so pure that you can you can see through them. And now on the streets they're they're lined with pure gold, and there's this this huge city with huge gates made out of a single piece of pearl. And you look at these buildings, and they aren't made of concrete anymore, but they're made out of precious jewels. And Jesus is just right there. And you can go talk to him or ask him a question. Creation is saying, oh, I can't wait for that transformation. And I'm saying, ooh, if creation gets that, I wonder what we're going to get made in the image of God. We were already the the, the crown jewel of his creation. I wonder, I wonder how it's going to be later. Oh, it's going to be worth it. They're experiencing this groaning of the pains of childbirth. But one day, the baby is going to be born. And they will be too overjoyed to think about what they had gone through. Creation says it's worth it. So is it worth it? Yes. Yes, and we have hope. Verse 23. And not only creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes in what he sees. Hope that is seen is not hope. Who hopes in what he already has? It's like an obvious statement, but if we have never suffered, if we never had a lack, we would have no reason to long. We would have no hope. There's no hope without suffering. We wouldn't want something different. Throughout the Bible, when we see when people have everything at their very fingertips, they don't want Jesus. It's hard for a rich man to get into heaven. And I believe that God purposes suffering as a mechanism of grace to keep us. Right, that When we see the reality of a broken world, it reminds us of just how much we still need Christ, just how much we want him to come. The brokenness of this world and our own bodies don't allow us to forget the reality of the fall. You may have heard of Paul's like already not yet theology. Like we've already been adopted as sons, as Charlie said last week, but it will be fully realized on the last day. So we have reason and hope to hold on. Can you think about that child in limbo? Right, who maybe has been with you as foster parents for a long, long time. And he knows, he knows, this little boy knows that you want him. You're, he's already a part of your family. But the papers just haven't been signed yet. It isn't official just yet. It's official, but I just want to see it in writing. I cannot wait for the day to see it in writing. I know, we know, we are children of God. Oh, but there's so much more to be realized. It's like, man, I know, I know you're my brother. I want it to feel like blood, though. Jesus, help help it to feel like blood. It's already not yet. Yeah, God has redeemed us. He's redeemed us. I'm redeemed. i I have been made new but I am waiting for the redemption of our bodies for real for it, where I don't have these longings anymore. So much of our energy is spent struggling. We're just trying to get to neutral. So much to look forward to. It's a reason to hold on. Hope is designed to keep us holding on to Jesus, but hope doesn't exist from apart from suffering. And yes, what we're going through now is not great, right? It, we, we experience the fall all the time, but there is something much, much worse than suffering as a Christian in this present evil age. We could be suffering apart from Christ for all of eternity, What's a, what's a little suffering now? It can get so much, so much, so much worse. Yeah, man, I, some of us, our, our parents might have disowned us because of what we believe. Some of us might have to de, de, uh, uh, deny our, our, our very real feelings and emotions and desires that are good for the sake of the gospel. But it could be so much So much, so much worse. There is no goodness in hell. There's no relief in hell. There's no joy in hell. There's no common grace in hell. There's no good God that we can experience in hell. And yeah, we could have everything in our hands right now. We can have all the good things, but there is something much, much better than flourishing right now. There are some fathers that are going to give some great inheritances. They might own like large businesses and corporations and they can give you a lot of things. But our father, he literally owns everything. And he's saying, hey, it's yours if you just hold on right now. This time is nothing compared to eternity, you know? Eternity just keeps going on and on and on. It's like, hey, 70-year lifetimes over and, over and 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 over again. And you just gotta like persevere through one right now. It'll be worth it. Hope makes sense. Suffering makes sense when you consider the alternatives. We were saved in hope. Right? Like this, this already not yet. It was baked into our salvation. We always knew that we were gonna be waiting for Jesus to come again. And he sends his spirit as the pledge, the first of many blessings. Perseverance is packaged with salvation. There's no way to salvation in the end without perseverance now, but how how do we get there? We get there by holding on to hope that's our one application, hold on to hope. Verse 25, but if we hope in what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. There is an implied exhortation here, right? Like if you place your hope in Jesus, eagerly wait with endurance. Persevere right now, get up on your tiptoes and look ahead. It's too easy to put our hope in what we see, And the things we already have, when we're, we're struggling right now. You're just like, man, I cannot wait for this new job. It's going to make everything better. Your new job might be good, but that's 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 too too close to in front of your nose. God is calling us to look further than that. Yes. You might be struggling. Maybe you're struggling to have children. Like, man, if I if I just Have a child. I know that feeling. That would be good, but there's something so much more to hope for. Man, I'm tired. I'm tired of struggling with that, with this sin. Maybe once I get married, things will be different. Yeah, maybe. But there's something so much more to hold on to. You see, if God answers that prayer right now, that might get you through today. But what's gonna get you through the rest of your life? There's a hope that's that's so much further down the line and that's what we need to hold on to. When we say, man, I, I'm so tired of struggling with this sin, but Jesus, I know that when I'm with you, God, I won't ever have to worry about this again. When you're faced with temptation right in the moment and you say, man, you know what? there's something so much better than this. Something so much better. I don't need that. I don't need to gratify my flesh right now and give up my inheritance. Look ahead. Look past tomorrow. Look to the end of time. Make it a regular practice to, 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 to think about what is it going to be like when I can touch you Jesus we need to have an eternal perspective invest in eternity make decisions right now that don't just affect tomorrow but make decisions right now where you'll get a return of investment in Eternity And that's how we should live our lives. Based off what's way, way, way later, not what's based off what's going on right now in this present evil age. And this looks like, man, we can't get caught up in all of the all of the craziness going on right now. You know? And life is crazy. Boy, I was just saying today, man, it should not cost $73 to fill up my midsize sedan, it shouldn't, right? And I'm complaining and I'm like, man, when is this gonna be over? Oh my goodness, I just want, want I I can't keep living like this, you know? But it's like, hey, God is taking care of me now. What I want way more than $3.50 gas is an eternity with Jesus, right? Like, how about I look forward to that? Actively long for something other than the immediate fix. I've been thinking about it this week and it really, it just, it just changes the way I just live my life. I'm just thinking about like, man, Jesus, it it will get better, so much better. I can struggle for a little bit. Victory is already in hand. by virtue of truly knowing and cherishing glory, we excitedly persevere through this muck that we're stuck in right now. So consider glory. My son Lennox, I told you about this last time. He's five years old. He loves this uh, this book series called um, Elephant and Piggy. Have y'all heard of that? Some of you? Yeah, I like the books too. Um, and one of those books is called uh, Waiting Isn't Easy. And, and, and this is how the book goes. I'll, I'll kind of reframe the, the story for you. So, so there's, there's Gerald. Gerald is, um, is an elephant. And then there's Piggy. Piggy's a piggy. And, um, and, and Piggy, she has this, this, this awesome gift for, for Gerald. And she's like, I have a surprise for you. And then Gerald's like, a surprise? A surprise, really? A surprise? Can I see it? Can I see it? And then she's like, you have to wait for it. And he's like, Wait. I'm, I'm like saying it to you in my children's reading voice. Wait. He's like, is it here yet? Is it time yet? Is it time yet? And She's like, no. And then like you see him like start to to experience the whole the whole wide range of elephant emotions, right? And he goes from excited to like to like, literally on the book is like groan like that. And he's like, I, like I, I can't wait for this to come. Like this is too long to wait. Is it here yet? Is it here yet? And then he gets angry. And he's like, I don't think your surprise is worth it. And it's like, look, we've been doing this, we've been waiting all day and it's getting dark. Is this surprise ever gonna, Gerald, Peggy says. She's like, it's right there. And they look up and they see this beautiful cosmic picture of all of these colors, all of these stars. The moral of the book is that, man, some things you just have to wait for. And of course, Lennox, he interprets the moral of the story a little differently. And he's like, can I have a snack? And I'm like, you just had dinner like five minutes ago. And he's like, waiting isn't easy. And I'm like, that's not even what that story is (laughs) about. But Piggy is a trusted friend. And for no other reason Gerald should have waited because Peggy asked him to. Christ has earned your trust. Christ is a trusted friend as well. And what did he do for you? The same thing you're waiting for, do you know that he already had and he gave it up to come and get you? And he said, yeah, I'm God. But I'm gonna put on this flesh and come down so that I can be with you guys. Yeah, I know you guys like screwed up the whole world, but I'm going to come down here. I'm going to experience it with you. Not only that, I, I, I know you couldn't get it right. So I'm going to get it right for you. And then he got it right. And then he said, Hey, the punishment that you deserve for getting it wrong, I'm going to take that punishment for you too. And then as God, he was whipped and beaten, and stripped, and spit on. And he hung on a cross for you because he knew you couldn't get it together. He said, that's okay, I got this. He says, that wrath, that wrath that you deserve, I'm just gonna take that for you too. And he experiences the wrath of his father. And he says, Father, why why have you forsaken me? And he knew the answer because he no longer wanted you to experience a life separated from God. And three days later, he rises from the grave and he says, hey, you know what? I don't ever want you to be without me again. So, I'm gonna send my spirit into your hearts because I know just how hard this world is for you. So, I am gonna help you get through it. You are not alone. You can trust me. I didn't let you down on a cross, I got up out of that grave. I'm not gonna let you go down right now. I'm not gonna let sin take over your body right now. I'm not gonna let you not eat. I'm not going to let inflation get to the point where you are kicked out of your home and you have nothing else. I will make sure that the people of God can live and thrive and take my word to the edge of the earth. Trust me. I'm with you. While you wait. and it'll be worth it. No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him, for y'all. It's greater than you can imagine. The last page of that book, Elephant and Piggy, you just see them on the very last page and they they're looking up at this beautiful picture. And Gerald says, "Piggy." It was worth the wait. It's worth the wait. We will experience a broken world, but I promise you, it's worth the wait. You've been listening to the Citizens Church podcast. Special thanks to Murphy DX, who recorded our theme music. If you'd like to learn more about Citizens Church in Birmingham, Alabama, you can visit us on our website at citizensbhm.com or on the usual suspects Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.